pleased to be joined on the line now by Liz Humphreys. Liz is a political economist at the University of Technology, Sydney. Liz, I want to take the opportunity to speak to you today about Prime Minister Scott Morrison's uh, potentially historic announcement last Tuesday that it was time for a new industrial relations system, that it was, according to him, quote, not fit for purpose. And as he told the ABC in a radio interview the following day, it was time to put down the weapons. And he called for a a grand table, a round table, as it sometimes is called, of employers, government and trade unions to come together to forge a new industrial relations system. And he he offered the olive branch of abandoning any attempt to pass the Ensuring Integrity Bill through the federal parliament, which was uh, an effort to deregister militant trade unions that were seen as an enemy of the Liberal government. As somebody who's written about the recent history of the industrial relations system in this country, what was your what was your reaction to, to Morrison's announcement? Hi, thanks for having me on. Um, I look from time to time, somebody, but usually from the Labor Party or trade union, suggests that it's time for another record, and that because of some particular challenge, that government, business, and the unions need to come together. To be honest, I was quite surprised by Morrison's announcement because it wasn't just a little bit of rhetoric or a throwaway line. There was quite a lot of, I guess, meat on the announcement and um, he seems quite serious about taking it forward. Whether this will be some sort of rerun of the accords of the 80s and 90s between the ALP and the ACTU, I think, though, is quite unlikely. Um, Obviously, in, in, in those years... There was an economic crisis, just like now, um, and the ALP really presented itself as the only party that could bring the trade unions um, to the table and into line after the militant um, 1970s. But we're in quite a different period. Obviously, trade unions um, are not taking a lot of industrial action, not just because of coronavirus, but generally that's been the pattern for the last two decades. It's so therefore, like it can't really be a rerun um, in the sense of that kind of collaborative uh, arrangement where the trade unions and the Labor Party both get, I guess, things out of um, the deal. You'd have to think that the Morrison government has a more particular agenda when it's using language around um, time for changes to industrial relations um, it's not quite the sort of rhetoric we, we, last time round where it was really bring, bringing the country together to deal with um, the economic crisis in everybody's interest. Now, you say there that the prospects of another accord are, are really dim. However, there has been a lot of talk, hasn't there, recently in the context of the COVID-19 crisis, which has created all kinds of uh, extraordinary social circumstances on a, on a range of different fronts. And one of those extraordinary circumstances is all this talk of the Industrial Relations Minister, Christian Porter, and the Secretary of the Australian Council of Trade Union, Sally McManus, coming together literally for cups of tea and, and talking glowingly uh, in the press, certainly glowing press accounts that uh, suddenly they're, you know, they're best of friends and they get on extremely well and they've been surprised at how well they've got on. And uh, in, in response to Morrison's uh, uh, press club speech last Tuesday, the Australian Council of Trade Unions put out an official announcement saying, and I quote, 
We welcome the opportunity by the Morrison government to be at the table with them and employers to discuss how we can rebuild our economy. So looking at the the other side of, of the coin, I mean, is that just a, a politicking or, or PR, uh, a, a sort of a Philip II diplomacy, if you like, by the ACTU? Or do you think that's that's a genuine statement there? I mean, how do you see the prospects, I guess, from the ACTU's point of view in terms of how they, how they approach uh, uh, Morrison's gambit? I can't, obviously we can't really know what's in um, uh, McManus's mind in making that statement, but obviously the ACTU does want to see significant change to industrial relations legislation and a range of other economic matters around um, what what is a livable wage for people who don't have employment as well, um, plus dealing with the uh, rise of really precarious and um, sort of unprotected work. That's quite a different agenda to the sort of microeconomic reform that clearly the government is signalling to, um, suggesting that there's a lot of red tape, that there needs to be more flexibility, that there's problems with um, the way that uh, different awards are structured and protections. These are quite different agendas. Now, it's not a case that people can come to the table and then an average of both those agendas will be in the interest of everybody. To my mind, the the interests of the government of the day, whether it's Labor or Liberal, is in uh, is quite different to the interests of um, the body that, pre- that protects workers and fights for workers' rights. And an average of those two things is not possible. There is no national interest in the sense that we can um, find some midway path between those two interests, that counterposed interests. The, the question then that comes out of that, uh, Liz, is how serious is any of this? Christian Porter has uh, been quite ex- quite explicit in saying that, well, well, I'll convene these five working groups. There's supposedly going to be five working groups that uh, unions will be invited to take part in. But really, if the discussions break down and, and nothing comes out of them, we're going to uh, push ahead with our pre-existing uh, IR agenda anyway, and come September we're going to look to uh, reintroduce uh, uh, some of the legislation that we'd been already looking at anyway. So, how how serious is any of this? Is it sort of a, a bluff or <clears throat> excuse me, a, a, a gambit of sorts by by Morrison to be seen to be extending the olive branch, uh, but very much uh, firmly having having the sword in in the other hand, so to speak? Quite possibly. Um... Though, why go to all the bother of actually having all this detail and having all these discussions um, and, you know, and ditching the um, integrity bill if you weren't on some level a bit serious about it? Um, But there are not just two options, which is we have this process or the government proceeds with its um, previous agenda. There is a third option, which is the ACTU and the unions dig in for a fight to protect the conditions and wages of workers in this period. Now, um, I guess that's the question for um, all of our union leaders to think about. Yes, we're in difficult times. Yes, there is mass unemployment. Yes, it is going to get worse. But it is not economically sensible to be running around taking cuts to wages to um, be giving up hard-won conditions One, because they'll never be won back, right? Particularly in a period of low union density and and low activity and militancy. But also, it is 
there is only one way out of a crisis like this, and it's for the government to spend its way out of it. We absolutely need to be putting pressure on the government not to be offering less to everybody, but actually to be, you know, the engine of recovery, to take on major projects, to be involved in, um, to be the key employer in the next period and to actually allow Australia to fight its way out of recession. Any government that's talking about winding back um, um it's spending or cutting the wages of public servants is not really committed to that. If they dig in for a period of sort of austerity from now or, or even minor austerity, they will extend this recession far longer than it's needed. Now, Liz Humphreys, it's worth perhaps ending uh, on the question of what's happening in your own union, the National Church for Education Union. Uh, you wrote an opinion piece uh, on, on what's happening there, and there's been something of, it's probably not too much of an overstatement to, to describe it as a civil war within the union over uh, the approach to the so-called uh, National Jobs Protection Framework, which the union leadership had proposed to, to save jobs uh, in the university sector in exchange for uh, quite significant wage cuts. That framework has, has since are collapsed and unis are going on their own in terms of pursuing job cuts and wage cuts and, and, and so on. Talk to that in terms of that uh, possibly frames a, an alternative approach to this roundtable negotiations where uh, a lot of uh, rank-and-file members of the, of the tertiary education union have have adopted the approach of, well, no, we're actually going to to, to, to fight uh, on more, if you like, old-fashioned uh, industrial relations uh, strategies and tactics rather than coming together with employers to, to negotiate a, 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 an agreement. Yeah, strategically, I thought it was the wrong approach to um, come up with a deal with bosses. Um, I don't think ever these arrangements are in the interests of workers. I think they are used to hold down wages and conditions, and that's what social contracts or accords are generally about. Um, but I guess I was particularly surprised when I saw the detail of the agreement at just how bad the deal was. I always thought that the best outcome was likely to be gained by um, fighting on each campus for wages and conditions and not, not in one of these arrangements, particularly because those sorts of arrangements take the locus of decision-making from campuses and the rank and file and put it in the hands of national leadership. This, is a, this demobilises trade unions and demobilises um, the sort of rank and file strength that precisely needs to be built at the moment. I guess I would dial it down slightly from some of the rhetoric about a civil war. I do think that um, the national and state leaderships that have... Um, and, you know, my own branch president who have prosecuted an argument about making this deal do honestly believe that this is um, the best outcome. But I can only argue what I think to be right based on um, my research about the Accord and um, my feelings about how trade unions can win um, basic gains and protect um, what they have. And that is for a much more direct engagement over... Um, winning, um, winning or protecting rights and protecting jobs on each campus. It's not to say that there won't be losses. Um, there will be. It's a very difficult period. But the only way, I think, for the union to not become completely ossified 
is to build the kind of rank and file strength that can that can win. Um, I have been surprised at the level of rank and file anger um, about the agreement. Even early on when you would see discussion on social media or in branch meetings, it wasn't just the usual suspects. Often in one of these arguments, you know everybody who's on the speaking list and everybody who's angry. That's definitely not been the case. And I think that that must be a real concern for um, the national leadership. To my mind, on most campuses with that deal, um, you know, dead or dead-ish, um, really we have to come together in order to um, deal with the sort of cuts and sackings um, that are already underway, not just casuals who were the first to be laid off, but um, permanent staff who've been um, losing their jobs. Now, in the end, a fight to protect those conditions has to be a fight to put pressure on um, significant social pressure on the federal government to fund what are public institutions. Not a question of these being private bodies that should be, um, you know, subject to the whims of the market. These are public institutions that train everybody from teachers and nurses and doctors to people to work in finance and accounting and, um, you know, work in the arts community. It's in everybody's interest that that's a really, really well-funded and, and high-value, um, high uh, area of excellence.